If we look at the research evidence, it's it's very clear. We know that many people lose weight, but then they often regain it. These are what I call these fad diets. They work for a few months. I know I tried the South Beach diet, I lost weight, and then I just put it all right back on. Welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for raising your health IQ with us in more than 130 countries and healthy cities around the globe. Manchester, UK, Lisbon, Portugal, Fort Wayne, Indiana, all ranking among the most vegan-friendly cities on Earth. We appreciate you all helping to make the world a healthier place. This is episode 36 of season 5, number 335 overall. And really, this is an exciting day because we are finally going to answer the question, which diet is best for weight loss? So here are the contenders. We've got keto, we've got South Beach, bulletproof, vegan, vegetarian, pescatarian, high fat, low carb, no carb, or even potentially a wild card diet. Now, there are so many of these plans out there that it will make your head spin, but today we are going to indeed crown a champion, one that can help put you on a healthier path for the rest of your life. And our healthy judges today are Dr. Vanita Rahman and dietitian Karen Smith. Also today, more questions and answers from you exam roomies, good ones too, ones that we tackled on the exam room live. We've got how often should you eat, and how much should you eat, and diet or exercise, which is more important when it comes to weight loss. Also today, we're going to be looking at diet soda, which even though it has absolutely no calories, is still probably the last thing you want if you're trying to lose weight. Plus, why reality TV is bad for more than just your brain taking a hard turn here, but why reality TV is bad for more than just your brain and can take a toll on your waist, your lungs, and your liver too. You've got details on that coming up when we head to the exam room news desk. But I want to start today with a conversation about mindset. It's an interesting discussion that gets into the exact spot where so many of us get tripped up time and again with weight loss. And all of this started with an article that my wife sent me one day. It was an article about a guy whose motivation for losing weight was to get the stuffed nacho put back on the Taco Bell menu. And you better believe that Dr. Rahman and Karen and I all had quite a bit to say about this. Thank you both so very much for being here. Thanks for having us, Chuck. I want to talk to you guys about that mindset. It is ultra important. And it's something that I realized very early on when I finally was able to conquer those weight loss demons is that mind is about 80 to 90% of this thing, right? And, and so it means avoiding the pitfalls that we find ourselves going into. And that mindset, I think is so important, like especially right out of the gate. You have to know what it is that you're looking for, what to look out for, I should say, lest you risk putting all that weight back on. That's how I've been able to keep off close to 300 pounds. But my wife texts me this yesterday, and I know that I've shared this with you uh, via email. And so I just wanted to bring this up on screen. And it is a guy 
whose motivation for losing weight was to eat Taco Bell. And so I, I did an Instagram about this, Dr. Rahman, and I want to ask you about this. I did an Instagram about this. And, and to me, why would you reward yourself with the very thing that put you in that position to have to lose weight in the first place? Like, I get it. He thinks that it's fun. It's exciting. But dude, if you're close to 300 pounds, your goal for losing weight shouldn't be to have Taco Bell bring back your favorite food. Your, your goal, in my estimation, from a former Taco Bell addict should be to lose the weight and keep it off. I would love your opinion as a doctor on what, what do you think is going to happen when, when somebody's motivation is, is Taco Bell or that slice of cake or an entire pizza, whatever the case may be. Yeah. You know, I think, I think a lot of people sometimes feel that way that um, they motivate themselves to eat better, lose weight, take care of themselves hoping to reward themselves with the very food that maybe contributed to the weight gain in the first place. And while that can seem tempting, it can also be um, risky because these highly processed foods are very addictive. They're high in sodium, they're high in sugar, uh, they're high in added fats. So they will lead to weight gain. They will lead to those sugar cravings. They will lead to those salt cravings. And they're highly processed. So they have very little in terms of nutrients and um, they're not particularly nourishing, so we'll just keep craving them, and it just sets us up again to fall back into that pattern. And Karen, let me uh, ask you this. I mean, so this guy's motivation was a very specific item. It was the stuffed nacho. And so this was the description from that article that NBC wrote up about this guy. Uh, the stuffed nacho is a triangle-shaped tortilla that is stuffed with beef, sour cream, crunchy red tortilla chips, and cheesy jalapeno sauce. So on a scale of one to 10, based off of what we just heard from Dr. Rahman, how addictive do you think this stuffed nacho is? Extremely. Yeah, <laughs> extremely. And, you know, Chuck, in my experience in, you know, working with people who want to lose weight and in, you know, uh, having conversations with people who have lost a significant amount of weight, let's say 100 pounds and kept it off for years and years, you know, I always want to pick their brains in here. How did you do it? Right? Like, what are those, those mindset shifts that you made? to not only lose the weight, but keep it off for, for good. Um, and I can say, you know, uh, across the board that everyone who's maintained that significant amount of weight loss, I believe yourself included, right? Like the person that you are today, Chuck, is not the same as far as like the way you think, the choices you make, the way you feel as the person you were before your weight loss. And people just draw very, very clear and distinct lines of what the foods that are going to nourish them are and, you know, are able to say, like, I'm not the type of person who eats fast food. And I have found in my experience that those are the people who have not just, you know, success with losing weight for a couple of months or maybe even a year, but but for the, the long term and for their lifetime. One 100% correct. And I think that the way that I've been able to explain it best to people is with a simple analogy, right? It's like, so if you are rewarding successful weight loss with, in this case, going to Taco Bell, to me, that is the exact same thing as rewarding sobriety by having a beer 
or the fact that you've been able to stop smoking for a year by having a cigarette, right? What do you think the odds are that that person who had that beer or that cigarette are going to have another beer or go out and buy a pack of cigarettes? And before you know it, all of the progress that they made has just gone out the window. I would say that it is extremely likely that that progress flies away. Why? Because it happened to me. I call it my one nacho theory. One time specifically before I, I had long-term success, I had lost 60 some odd pounds in the short term, was feeling great, thought that I could have just one nacho and be okay, but I couldn't. That one nacho dunked in that nacho cheese led to another and another and another. And before you know it, I was right back to doing my daily laps through the Taco Bell drive-thru. And, you know, so I, I just wish that more people thought of food along those terms and realized just how, how much you can get hooked on it and that cravings are more than cravings. Like it literally can be an addiction. But here's the other thing. It's like when you, when, when you tell somebody this, it, it can also be jarring because you're telling them like, look, you can't eat this for the rest of your life. And, and it's a relationship really that you're asking somebody to really change. But I say change because it's not a complete breakup because one of the cool things that I've discovered along the way is that there are far healthier options of a lot of those favorite foods available. Ones that won't get you hooked, ones that don't pack on the fat and the calories, ones that are way, way, way healthier and better options overall. So you don't have to break up with these foods. The relationship just has to change. And I would argue every relationship that you've been in in your entire life, food or otherwise, always evolves. So this is no different. So it's not a breakup. It's just changing it and changing your mindset along the way. Dr. Rahman, is that good advice? Is that something that you would tell your patients? Yeah, you know, absolutely. So if you're craving Mexican food um, or Taco Bell, there are so many ways to make it at home and make it healthy. Try baking tortillas into chip-sized shapes and that's delicious and have it with refried black beans um, and have it with lots of salsa on top. And it's just as satisfying and it's so much more nourishing. So we can still enjoy these foods, but enjoy them in ways that they were traditionally enjoyed, that they're healthy without being so processed. And last point before we move on and start taking some questions here, Karen, I want to come to you for this one. In the article, there is a line. I want to read this one verbatim as well. That just kind of, it, it irked me because you have to keep in mind before I read this, that this gentleman didn't start dieting until last year, right? So the line says this, he yo-yo dieted for 10 to 15 years before launching his successful workout count campaign for an obscure Taco Bell item. So to me, this gentleman has had great success. He's about a year and a half into it, but that is still well within the yo-yo dieting window. And so the way that I interpret that line in that article is this guy has been able to successfully cut the string on that yo-yo, but I think it's way too early to be able to make a statement like that. And unfortunately that's misleading. And I think that a lot of people are going to get wrapped up in that and they're going to say, oh, Taco Bell is the key to weight loss. I mean, am I off base there, Karen? No, not at all, Chuck. And, you know, Taco Bell hasn't brought back this item yet, correct? Like, what will happen? We, we don't know the answer to that. Like, what if they bring it back? And he, he ventures out to Taco Bell. But in my experience, I've just seen this be a really slippery slope for people when they use uh, the foods, as you've already alluded to, that have, you know, been a, a source of 
of weight gain for them as a reward, right? And so again, shifting that mindset and something you touched on, Chuck, is that, um, you know, saying I can't ever have these foods again. Well, that's not entirely true. You can, you are making a conscious choice and, and in recognizing that can be really empowering, you know, like I am choosing to eat, you know, fruits and vegetables instead of Taco Bell, but recognizing that it's, it's not like you can't, no one's forcing you. Like it is a choice. Every bite of food we put in our mouth is a choice. And with that comes a lot of power. Ooh, I like the way you put that. Every bite is a choice. And with that comes a lot of power. What that is, that is a bumper sticker or a t-shirt at the very least. Uh, all right. I could talk about that one for days, uh, but let's go ahead and open up the doctor's mailbag here. Start taking some questions. And as they're populating, I want to say hi to Denise and Annette and Zen, uh, who are joining us live today. Denise, it's her first time catching a live show. So welcome. And then also, uh, how about this? This is a great way to get the mailbag opened up today. DJ says that uh, he's down from 450, already down to 390, and he's chasing my record. DJ, man, I'm pulling for you, man. So keep me updated on that. I wish you nothing but success, my friend. So keep on going. Uh, first question. Dr. Ramon, going to come to you for this one. It's from Jenny. It's a flat out blunt one. Which diet is best for weight loss? Yeah. You know, um, if we look at the research evidence, it's, it's very clear um, that the best way to lose weight and keep it off long term is to eat a low fat plant based diet. Um, we know that many people lose weight. Um, but then they often regain it. And that's what usually happens with a low carb diet or a high protein diet. Um, these are what I call these fad diets. They work for a few months. I know I tried the South Beach diet, I lost weight, and then I just put it all right back on. Uh, but when we eat a low fat plant based diet, research has shown that we not only lose the weight, but we keep it off. And that's because those foods actually nourish us. They give us fiber, they give us protein, they give us healthy fats, and they give us these healthy carbohydrates that really nourish us. So like black beans, baked tortillas, uh, grilled vegetables, um, lots of fruits, um, any of those are great. Amen to that. Karen, when somebody's asking what the best diet is and they throw out a bunch of names at you, keto, South Beach, uh, low carb, bulletproof, high carb, uh, low sugar, no sugar, no fat, whatever the case may be, vegetarian, pescatarian, vegan, I, you know, how do you break that all down for them? It's simple, Chuck. I am a huge fan of calorie density. There's a ton of research on the topic of calorie density. And it is just math, right? Like there is no arguing what the calorie density is of potatoes or what the calorie density is of black beans or Brussels sprouts, right? It's just a number. All calorie density is, I describe it to people who come to me as like, let's go into your kitchen. Let's take 10 different items that you have in your pantry or in your refrigerator, line them up on your you know, table. If we had a food scale, we could weigh out the exact same weight of each of those items. So let's say we have a pound of each, and then we're just listing how many calories there are in that pound. And research is, um, you know, quite clear in showing that when your average calorie density for, for your day is, you know, slightly under 600 calories per pound, that's a wonderful strategy for weight loss. So what are the foods that are 600 calories per pound or less? They all happen to be whole plant foods. They're vegetables, fruits, legumes, and whole intact grains. 
which is why, as Dr. Rahman said, a low-fat plant-based diet works so well for weight loss. Low-fat low plant-based foods, again, those veggies, those fruits, the legumes, and the whole intact grains are all low in calorie density. All right. So we're talking about whole foods there, Karen. I want to stick with you for a question from Anne. But what about ultra-processed foods? Do all of them cause weight gain, or is it just the ultra-processed foods that also happen to be high in fat? Yeah, so they're all high in calorie density. And I love showing people examples of this, right? Like you might take a granola bar um, or, you know, some kind of, there's so many bars out there, right? And they might like look so appealing in their marketing of being, um, you know, maybe including some whole grains or maybe having some fruits in there. And on the label, it might say one bar is, let's say, 120 calories. But when you figure out the calorie density, how many calories there would be in a pound of that item or whatever weight you're using to compare, they are all high. Like we're talking, you know, 1,200 to 1,600 calories per pound, which is much, much greater than that 600 calories per pound that really helps with weight loss. Uh, Dr. Ramon, coming to you for this one. I've heard this one a lot too. Christine is wondering how often a person should eat in order to lose weight. She says she's been told two to three hours is every, uh, she should be eating every two to three hours. Is there truth to that? You know, I think there's been a lot written up about meal timing and about intermittent fasting. I think the most important thing is really the quality of the food we're eating. We really do want to eat healthy foods like the plant foods we've been talking about, minimally processed, low caloric density. Um, and then if you want to work on the timing, that's sort of the bonus. That's like the bonus question on the test. But the most important thing is to get that food to be of high quality plant food. Um, the one thing I would say is it's important to not eat late at night. So really avoid eating, you know, within a few hours of bedtime. And um, also, if people are going to practice intermittent fasting, it's important to do it earlier in the day. So 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. as opposed to 3 p.m. to 10 p.m. Um, so but most important, more than the timing, is just eating that good quality food. I feel like when you get into meal timing and fasting, I mean, that that can be a really um, detailed kind of conversation. You can get lost in the weeds of that. And I worry sometimes that we have a tendency to overcomplicate things when it comes to getting healthy and losing weight. Do When you're working with patients, do you prescribe the keep it simple method or do you really like to delve into as much detail as possible with them? You know, I like to keep it simple. I think eating is simple. It's it's a primitive requirement that we eat and we should eat if we're hungry. That is the only reason to eat. So if we can align our meal timing to our hunger, that's ideal. Um, so, you know, forcing ourselves to eat when we're not hungry uh, is not a good idea. So just keep it simple. When you're hungry, reach for healthy foods. Um, they nourish you. They keep you satiated and you're likely to stay full for a while. All right, Karen, a lot of people trying to lose weight, they gravitate toward diet soda. Why? Zero calories. So Rebecca is wondering whether diet soda should help you lose weight. Uh, no, it it does not. Um, and in fact, it's the opposite in studies, you know, looking at diet sodas and weight loss. Um, they're there are none that I'm aware of that show that they are helpful and they do the opposite, right? And whether it's the fact that 
the artificial sweeteners in soda are multitudes, you know, sweeter tasting than sugar, which, you know, kind of fools our brain into thinking that, you know, we're still having sugar, even though there aren't those calories and having, you know, strong cravings for, for sweet foods or how they impact our microbiome um, in a way that might not be great for weight loss. Um, you know, uh, choosing water, again, keeping it simple, water should be, you know, our beverage of choice. Uh, I want to stick with you. This is a question that comes up a lot uh, for people who are, are losing weight. Um, is that is it possible to do that while still maintaining muscle mass? A question from Sebastian at 1212, uh, Karen. How do I lose fat while maintaining muscle mass while eating a whole food plant-based diet? Oh, yeah, I love that question. And there's um, Sebastian, absolutely. Um, if you've not seen the movie The Game Changers on Netflix, highly recommend it. And, you know, seeing these plant based athletes who are working extremely hard. So that's, you know, the first key point is that in order to, you know, build muscle, maintain muscle mass, you have to use your muscles, you have to be working them and doing the type of physical activity to um, keep your muscles strong. And that's important. And at the same time, eating a plant-based diet is a great way to fuel our bodies to get the nutrients we need, including protein, um, you know, which often is a concern for people, plenty of protein in plants, and they're coming packed full of antioxidants, um, lots of vitamins and minerals and all the fiber as well. But, you know, primarily for building and maintaining muscle mass, you know, it's really important to be doing the work that's required, you know, with that physical activity. Uh, Dr. Ramon, I'm wondering if you can comment on this. We have somebody in the chat room right now who is saying that there are healthy foods even that they still can't control, uh, referencing specifically uh, nuts. They also mentioned cheese. That's debatable, uh, but uh, just specific to nuts and I guess other high fat foods like avocados, when it comes to weight loss and maybe somebody's having a hard time controlling their portions with those, what kind of advice could you offer? Yeah, you know, this is so important. Uh, so certain plant foods are high in fat, nuts uh, and nut butters, whether it's almonds, walnuts, cashews, pecans, or their butters, or same with seeds like chia, pumpkin, flax, um, avocado, olives, uh, coconut, chocolate, these are all high fat foods. And if you're looking to lose weight, it's really important to minimize them. Because getting back to what Karen said earlier, the caloric density, the caloric density of an ounce of nuts is so much higher than an ounce of broccoli. Uh, so if you're trying to lose weight, I usually tell people, limit those high fat foods like nuts, nut butters, chia seeds, flax seeds, all those seeds or seed butters like tahini, um, avocados to, uh, you know, just a couple of tablespoons a day. And I don't mean of each one, but combined, because we don't need that much of them. And their caloric density does lead to weight gain. All right. You want a 201 level question then? I have a follow-up. Okay, here it is. <laughs> uh, so you're talking about limiting chia and flax then. While somebody's trying to lose weight and they're really limiting those, what are some other good sources of omega-3s to make sure that they're getting an adequate amount? 
Yeah, so we don't need as much omega-3s. You know, there's been so much written up about omega-3s, but we actually don't need as much as people think we do. You know, a, a tablespoon of flax or chia a day is more than enough for most people. Some people could even just have half a tablespoon and that could be enough. Uh, so we don't really need to worry about these. You can try things like flax milk too in your cereal that's loaded with omega-3. So there's been a lot written up about it, but if we look at our own government's website, the NIH, they tell us very clearly there's no documented case of omega-3 deficiency in the U.S. That's because if we don't have enough, our body sort of breaks down its own fat cells to release the omega-3. So not a big cause for concern. Very interesting. I guess, you, you, you know, you're kind of hinting that you may be able to throw omega-3s in that same category as protein and nutrients that people tend to worry a little bit too much about. Um, that's that's interesting. I, I did not know that. That's why I say, man, you raise your health IQ with every show. It's so good. <laughs> uh, question from Mommy Vegan Nummy. Uh, Karen, this one sounds frustrating. So hopefully you can help her out here. At 1213, she says, my BMI is normal. Weight stays stagnant, but my belly fat is still there. It's not growing. It's not shrinking. It's just there. What can she do about this? Yeah, I feel like that's um, a common question and frustration I hear from, from many um, women that I meet with. And, you know, a couple of things that I would want to know more about, it's like, what are the specific foods that you're eating. And again, relating back to that calorie density and really um, optimizing the consumption of the lowest calorie density foods, right? Being the, the non-starchy vegetables and fruits, the legumes and the whole intact grains. Um, and then also looking, um, you know, at physical activity, although the, the food component, the nutrition component, I feel first and foremost is most important. Um, and taking into consideration other factors in life like stress and how they might be, how, how stress might be um, playing a role um, in somebody's journey to, to weight loss. If in fact, nutrition is like spot on. Uh, however, Chuck, like that often there's, I can't think of one time where there wasn't room for improvement, right? And so taking a look again at those low calorie density foods, how many non-starchy vegetables are you eating in a day? And is there room to include more of those? Can you start your meal by eating some non-starchy vegetables or fruits first to help offset the consumption of some of the higher calorie density foods later? And then again, really taking a look at where fats are coming into the diet, in particular, um, you know, if it's animal foods, of course, um, moving those off the plate and oils and really minimizing or avoiding them altogether. All right. We have to pause and take a quick second to recognize another tremendous weight loss success. Rachel Miller at 1218 just posted in the chat. I've lost 50 pounds due to this podcast. Rachel, that is phenomenal. I am so happy for you. So uh, if you have more to go, keep on going. I have no doubt that you're going to reach your goal. That's awesome. Thanks so much for sharing that with us, man. That just gets me fired up. Um, here we go. Uh, sticking with you, Karen, a question from Margaret. You were just talking about starches. Well, here's a starchy one for you. Should you avoid rice when you're trying to lose weight because it has a lot of calories? And yeah, rice does have a surprising number of calories in it. So what makes you say that, Chuck? The nutrition label when you look at it? 
Yeah. So think about that nutrition label, right? What do you do to rice? Like you're looking you're at the nutrition label and you're measuring a, a whatever, however much you're going to consume of, of rice or however much you're going to, to boil. What do you add to it? Well, I add water and I call it good. A lot of people add butter or uh, oil or whatever the case may be. Yeah, you, you you answered what, with what I was looking for, water, right? We hydrate those whole intact grains and that is what, you know, helps reduce the, the caloric density. So if you have, right, rice, all rice, um, you know, without the addition of butters and oils, we're just talking about the, the rice on its own, um, you know, when cooked is a low calorie density food. It's far below, um, you know, 600 calories per pound and absolutely something that, you know, I encourage people to include um, along with other whole grains, along with potatoes. You know, those starches are what help fill us up and satiate us and are some of the best sources of fiber. And we know that fiber is wonderful for feeding our, um, you know, microbiome and um, also for, for weight loss, you know, boosting our fiber intake is really important. Is, is that the threshold uh, for low calorie for you is, is 600 calories per 100 pounds or 101 pound of food? Is, is that what the, what the floor is? That, that's what research suggests, Chuck, absolutely, that it's just slightly below 600 calories per pound is um, a calorie density that, you know, really sets people up for success with weight loss. I had not heard that until today. Again, we're learning. Uh, Dr. Ramon, coming to you, a question about sugar, uh, natural sugars, actually, from Linda. Should you avoid sweet potatoes since they have a lot of sugar? Yeah, so uh, let's differentiate between sugars that are naturally found in food and sugars that are added to food. So all fruits and some vegetables have sugar that's naturally found in them, like sweet potatoes, carrots. They're slightly sweet because of that sugar in it. Um, and that is usually not a problem because when we're eating that sweet potato, sure, we're getting some of the sugar that's naturally found in it, but we're also getting starch, which should be the primary source of calories. We're also getting a lot of fiber. We're getting a lot of vitamins and other nutrients. So it's not the same as adding a spoonful of sugar to something. And, and sweet potatoes are great. Enjoy them. Christina is watching us from Japan today. Uh, hi, Christina. Thanks for, for checking in all the way over there. That's awesome. Um, sticking with you, Dr. Ramon, question from Tim. Is diet or exercise more important? Oh, for weight loss, it's clearly diet. And, and you know, it's, it's all in the numbers. So it takes about an hour of walking to burn about 100 calories. How quickly can we consume 100 calories? Um, minutes. You know, we could have half a candy bar or granola bar literally in 30 seconds, and that's a few hundred calories right there. So while exercise is great and everybody should get regular exercise, it's good for our heart, our lungs, our well-being. We absolutely need it for weight loss. How much we eat or what we eat is much more important because we do that all day long, whereas exercise is usually an hour or two at the most. All right, Karen, coming to you for this one. And it is a doozy of a question from Denise at 1221. Should someone looking to drop weight, should they be counting calories, even if they're eating a whole food plant-based diet? Oh, great question, Denise. And I'm, you know, I'm glad that you're bringing that up. I think it, it 
depends on on the person and that some people have um, a lot of success in using some type of food journal, whether it be writing down what they're eating or using an app like Chronometer to just keep um, a record of what they're eating, which will include, you know, if using an app like that, um, the calories. And for some people that gives them um, kind of just like a baseline and maybe bring some awareness to what their food choices are. And certainly not something I recommend people do every day for the rest of their lives. But um, in some cases I feel, and in a lot of cases, like at least in the beginning when you're starting out using some kind of um, you know, tracker, food logger, app or whatever it might be just to bring some awareness often. Um, and, and I include myself in this, you know, like I, I can uh, consume calories that I forget about, you know, if I'm not being mindful. And that's where I think the tracking can, can be helpful. It, it certainly isn't necessary for everyone. And I would say that when you're looking at, um, you know, consuming those whole plant foods, that it really isn't so necessary that, you know, the studies show like you can't eat too many fruits and vegetables in a day when it comes to weight loss. Um, and at the same time, right, like it, it can bring awareness and help people see that, oh, yeah, I forgot. I forgot that I added that that tablespoon of oil. But when, when it comes to tracking, like where, where is the line, Karen, when it comes to doing good versus it becomes an obsession, in which case mm -hmm. it can be detrimental to a person's health? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And again, like I take this on, you know, everybody's different and wanting to figure out like how it might be helpful for someone. Right. And again, I think in what's most helpful is just in raising that awareness to see where there might be opportunities for change or opportunities for improvement um, to move forward and make progress. And certainly not something, again, that should be necessary day in and out. I mean, as Dr. Roman alluded to, like eating when we're hungry, eating until we are satiated, using those hunger cues um, and becoming more familiar with them and aware of what our body needs, um, I think is ideally the goal for most people. All right. Uh, we have time for a few more. Uh, Dr. Ramon, coming to you. Question from JL. Oh, man, this is another doozy. They're piling them on now. What if you're hungry late at night? What can you do? You know, this is a common, common problem. Uh, I think many of us, including me, struggle with this. Um, so the first question to ask is, am I really hungry? Um, sometimes it, late night eating just becomes a habit. Um, and it just, it gets associated with certain cues like watching TV or walking through the kitchen late at night. So changing our bedtime ritual can be helpful. Um, one thing that I like to do is do this broccoli test. And I ask myself, if I'm really hungry, I will eat some steamed broccoli right now. And as you can guess, I'm rarely hungry for steamed broccoli late at night. So I know <laughs> that it's not real hunger. Um, so you can try that. But if you are truly hungry and you say, yeah, that steamed broccoli is really calling to me right now, then, then that's fine to have. It's a low calorie density snack. It's fine to enjoy it. Um, but the most important thing is really distinguishing between real hunger and sort of this habitual habit of just eating late at night. And that's the one we really want to avoid. The broccoli test. 
That is an amazingly simple but extraordinary <laughs> piece of advice. Oh my gosh! You know, the next time I get the munchies a little bit late, I'm gonna I'm gonna wonder that. That is that is a plus. That I mean, geez, Louise, <laughs> just wow. Uh, that's why you're the doc, doc. Uh, okay, here we go. Um, sticking with you, question from Susan. Uh, going back to food addiction here, uh, specifically peanut butter. She says she's a peanut butter addict. What are your thoughts on PB2 as a substitute? Is that too processed for someone's diet? So PB2 refers to peanut butter powder. Um, and PB2 is a specific brand, but many brands make peanut butter powder. And they come in different forms. Uh, you just have to be careful. Some have added sugar to them. Some have defatted the peanuts, so they're lower in fat. So I think the question is pertaining to the lower fat versions where they've been defatted. But you have to be careful. They could still have added sugar. Um, you know, I think it's even though it is lower in fat, it's still a high fat snack. So while it may be lower in fat than traditional peanut butter, I would say maybe try something else instead um, for what you're using your peanut butter. Because I fear for someone trying to lose weight and struggling with peanut butter addiction, it may just reinforce it. So try some other spreads um, like an eggplant spread or a hummus, other things that could be lower in fat and more nourishing. Karen, coming to you, hopefully you can clear up a little confusion for Rebecca. Posted this one at 1228. Uh, Rebecca's wondering whether whole food plant-based carbs really do turn into fat if you eat too many of them. Sure. I mean, if we are consuming too many calories, you know, above what our body needs, yes, right? Like excess calories um, <clears throat> will cause weight gain. And that said, when we're focusing on those whole plant foods, um, again, like really honing in on the low calorie density ones, um, it's challenging to consume too many of them. Because if you think about the calorie density of non-starchy vegetables, for example, being just 100 calories per pound on average, right? Like imagine how many pounds of non-starchy vegetables you'd have to eat in a day to exceed, you know, the calories that you're buying, like, that's impossible. Can you eat 20 pounds of vegetables in a day, Chuck? I mean, no, to be perfectly, yeah. I mean, try as <laughs> I might, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. So I know I keep coming back to the calorie density, but that's really, it's such a beautiful and simple um, concept to follow because people on average eat about the same weight of food every day. Um, there's research that suggests that, right? And so if we're eating, you know, four pounds of food a day, just favoring those low calorie density foods, again, the fruits, the vegetables, um, the whole intact grains, which I should clarify, like there is a difference between, um, you know, wheat berries and whole wheat bread. The whole wheat bread is going to be about three times as calorie dense as that intact grain from which it's made. Um, and your legumes, right? And your starchy vegetables that because they are, um, you know, considered low in calorie density, it's it's hard, right? I would say, um, you know, to overconsume those those foods. You know, maybe paying more attention to some of the foods that are a little bit closer to 600 calories per pound, um, and and again, just really focusing on where some of the higher calorie density foods, where there it's processed foods, animal foods. Um, like oils are, are coming into your diet. 
right. And uh, really quickly, uh, I think your cat may be hungry. I think that that's what's happening there. Um, Karen, <laughs> you, a question. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> question from Marina. Uh, I absolutely love potatoes, she says. Can I eat them every day and still lose weight? Yeah, what a fun experiment to try, right? And that's like one of the other things I love. It's like, how about you test it out? Like, let's see how that goes, right? Absolutely, potatoes are a low calorie density food, um, a great source of fiber. They are extremely satiating, right? So again, something that helps to satisfy us, help us feel full um, for few calories. When you're looking at that calorie density chart, potatoes are about 400 calories per pound. There you go. That that falls uh, under that 600 bar. That's phenomenal. All right. Final question is from Mary. Uh, Dr. Ramon, I want to start with you. If you could be specific here and give us some uh, specific foods, that would be fantastic. Mary is wondering, what are the best foods for weight loss? Yeah, so, so many great options there, Mary. Um, you know, I think of foods in four categories. So grains, legumes, uh, fruits, and vegetables. So go to town with the vegetables. They're all great. Sweet potatoes, potatoes, broccoli, anything. Um, just avoid frying them. You can steam them. You can bake them. You can eat them raw, whatever you prefer. Um, and fruits are terrific. So any fruit is wonderful, frozen, fresh. I don't recommend fruit juices, though, because they're missing the fiber. They're missing a lot of the nutrients. So stick with real fruit. And then any kind of legume, you know, black beans, chickpeas, pinto beans, try a black bean burger or try a hummus quesadilla or, or try a bowl of uh, bean soup. There are so many great options. So beans are great. Again, avoid fried beans. So not fried falafel, but try a baked falafel. And then grains. Oats. I know someone asked if oats are healthy. Oats are great. Quinoa, rice, red rice, brown rice, uh, black rice. So many great options there. Uh, whole grain pastas and baked breads. Those are good too. Millet. So enjoy them however you like eating them. That is quite the list. Uh, Karen, <laughs> I don't know. Can you can you add some more to that? What, what are some of your favorites that Dr. Ramon hasn't already mentioned? Oh, you know, I really like to keep what I eat simple. And, um, you know, I include all of those foods as snacks as well. And I would love to just like throw that out there too, to kind of, you know, think outside the box of what you might consider being a snack, right? Which is often something that comes in a package and like, you know, have a bowl of chickpeas with some spices thrown on it, or maybe a little lemon juice. Like that's one of my favorite things to eat. I really do just enjoy keeping food simple in my life because it allows me, you know, more time to, um, you know, think about other things. And so like meals for me are basically picking a bean or lentil, like choosing one legume, um, choosing some vegetables, and then choosing a whole grain, uh, brown rice, whole wheat pasta, um, are probably my two favorites and quinoa, uh, buckwheat groats, one of my favorites for breakfast and, you know, adding in the fruits, um, either as snacks or definitely heavy in my breakfast meal. Um, and what am I missing? Oh, all the veggies, right? So it's just picking a, a legume, picking a starch, whether that's a whole grain or a potato, um, and the vegetables and spices, and just keeping it simple. There's so many different combinations, you know, with within those categories of foods that it's that it's um, it doesn't get you know 
boring, although, you know, I don't mind eating leftovers. <laughs> I, I love that you keep coming back to simplicity because I, I, you know, just thinking back to all of the times that I tried to lose weight, but I would put it back on, like I was really just diving into just the deepest of details on every single diet and just making it so complicated that it, you know, I felt like I had 20 plates in the air and it was hard to keep them all up. And eventually, boom, the plates came crashing down. But over the long term now, simplicity is the key, you know, the kiss method, keep it simple, stupid. That's what I tell myself every time I go into the kitchen and it just makes things so much easier and takes away a lot of the stress and a lot of the worry. So, um, just anecdotally from my experience, you know, if you're struggling because you're just trying to put too much together with your diet, just take a step back, take a deep breath and do what Karen was just saying and just keep it simple. Absolutely. Keep it simple. And I think that there's going to be a lot of great advice uh, that's going to be giving out at your uh, upcoming. You guys are putting on a 12 week plant based weight loss program uh, that begins, I believe, uh, next month. Yeah, the middle of next month. Dr. Ramon, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, you know, this is a terrific program. Uh, it's a 12 week online program where we'll meet every Saturday for 75 minutes. Karen and I will be hosting it. And what's really great about it is not only will we include a new nutrition topic, so like all these questions that come up, what kind of carbs should I be eating? How much fat do I really need? How much protein? We'll go through all that. But the best part is really interacting with other people and hearing from them, just like we're doing here in the exam room. Um, but people can see each other, they can connect. And, and, you know, if someone is struggling with something, they can be sure someone else is too. And just learning from each other is so powerful. Uh, Karen, I, this is, I think, what, your second, your third time maybe going through this 12-week uh, program. I would imagine at this point, you've seen a lot of people who have graduated from this course go on to have success. Yes, absolutely. And that's one of the most, you know, rewarding parts of the work that I do. I absolutely love, you know, um, seeing people just not only, you know, change what they're eating, but adopt new mindsets and change behaviors. And, you know, by the end of the 12 weeks, really feeling like they've grown into, you know, a new and better version of themselves. Um, and it's just amazing and awesome. And, and at the same, like, Dr. Roman and I are there to facilitate and be guides and and the participants are the ones putting in all the effort and hard work. And it's just an amazing um, position that I get to be in to, to you know, help them along on their journey and witness that. I want to pull up the uh, the syllabus for the 12 weeks. Really, I, you guys have thought this out so, so, so very well. I mean, it begins with just kind of the overview. You know, what's the big deal with the plant-based diet? So you get your basics and then you dive into carbs and then fat the next week and then protein and then meal planning and prepping. And, and that is just so important, I think, especially when people are being introduced to the idea of eating a plant-based diet for the first time, right? So you're going to take them in the kitchen. Week six, uh, I'm, I'm so thankful that you guys have invited me to talk about food addiction and, and, but you, you go beyond that. And Dr. Rahman is, did you set this up because of your own experience with weight loss, where not only do we talk about food addiction, but then you get into the emotional aspect of it. Like is, are your emotions, what are driving your hunger pains versus are you actually hungry? Yeah, you know, absolutely, Chuck. I myself struggled with excess weight that I gained in adolescence, and it stayed with me throughout most of my adolescence and adult years. And um, I, 
I think back how little support or help I had. I didn't really know what I was doing. And I consider myself fortunate that I was in a place where I could read and learn more. So I structured it in a way thinking if someone is in that position, they're looking to lose weight, they want some structure, some support, what would be helpful? And I put together all the information that I wish I had had all these years when I struggled with it. Um, it would have made my life so much easier. <laughs> no doubt. So you see that uh, webpage right up there on your screen. You can log on to pcrm.org slash weight loss program to register or click the link that is in the show description or episode notes right now. And uh, if you register by April 29th, uh, you can save, save off the cost of registration. So why not go ahead and do that? And I do believe that you have discounts for uh, people who want to sign up with a friend or a, a spouse or another a loved one. Is that right? Yeah, we do. And that's really one of the best parts of it is, you know, people like doing it in pairs. They like to invite their friends or family members along and it forms a great support structure to have throughout. So we have many people who join up in pairs and, and, you know, we do offer a discount pricing for that. So please check it out. It's a terrific program. Uh, Dr. Rahman, Karen Smith, thank you both so very much for being here today. This has been fantastic. Thanks so much, Chuck. Thanks, Chuck. Again, links to the weight loss program are included right now in the episode notes. So I have a question for you. What do you do when a friend or family member comes to you and they're all excited about this food that they found? It's low carb, low calorie, low fat, and they are convinced that it will help them lose weight. This is their ticket to finally losing weight and keeping it off. Now, this is a tricky situation because you know that this list of ingredients on the food that is as long as your arm probably means it's not the way to go. But at the same time, you don't want to discourage this person. You definitely don't want to be that wet blanket that will dash their hopes of getting healthy. So how do you then still coach them up? How do you coach them up without turning them off? It's a tough one. And I had this exact thing happen recently with someone in my family. Now, to this person's credit, they actually have lost a few pounds and have cut way back on their Slurpees and ice cream and hot dogs and pizza and their beloved Doritos. So progress is being made, but you might be like me at the same time and feel in your heart of hearts that there is still a much healthier route that they can take. There's still so much that you want to share with them that you're almost bursting at the seams to shout it out and say, hey man, this is what you should be doing. But it's tricky. So how do you handle this? Message me on Twitter or Instagram with your suggestions, how you would do this. I'm at Chuck Carroll WLC. Links to both are in the episode notes. My goal here is to get some tips put up in the comments there. Because there are a lot of people, I'm sure, that are in the same boat. I mean, it really is a fine line. You want to help, but you also don't want to be that guy or that girl. You just want to share what you've learned and also let them know, hey, I care about you. So let's drop those tips on Instagram or Twitter right now at Chuck Carroll WLC. And hopefully you can help them. But... Who's going to help you 
Well, how about the plant-based doctors and dietitians at the Barnard Medical Center, the good old BMC. They are making virtual house calls with telemedicine visits. Schedule your appointment today. Now, what I love about the BMC is that they're there to help with more than just the regular day-to-day -day medicine. They can fine-tune your health. So sure, they can do primary care stuff, but they can also take your health to the next level and get to the root cause of whatever the problem may be. Treat that instead of just the symptoms. So if you are ready to take your health to the next level, schedule your appointment today at barnardmedical.org. That's barnardmedical.org. And you can find a full list of states where services are available on that website and schedule your appointment today. Barnardmedical.org or call 202-527-7500. Insurance is accepted. Let's pivot now and head to the exam room news desk for a reality check. Actually, a reality TV check. Because from the Kardashians to the Real Housewives, reality TV is an obsession and apparently not a healthy one. Reality TV has long been the butt of jokes about burning brain cells, but the damage seriously may be going much further than that, wreaking havoc on your waist, your lungs, and even your liver. Researchers in the UK examined 20 reality shows between 2019 and 2020, finding that alcohol, tobacco, and junk foods that are high in fat and sugar are all shown at alarming rates. The study finds alcohol was shown in 98% of all episodes, while junk food was featured in 88% of them. And specific to food, 93 different brands were showcased, with Coca-Cola getting the most airtime. The study also finds tobacco and junk food were seen far more frequently on broadcast TV than streaming services such as Netflix. The paper was published in the Journal of Public Health, and you can find a link to it right now in the episode notes. So you may be asking, okay, what's the big deal here? Who cares whether the Kardashians love to do shots or some dude from the Jersey Shore wants to eat an eight pound cheeseburger in a single sitting? Well, the researchers have known for years that just seeing drinking or smoking or eating a bunch of fast food can heavily influence a child's decisions. So when they see their idols partaking in these unhealthy behaviors, they then are more likely to smoke or drink or eat a bunch of junk food. And once those habits are established at a young age, they can be really hard to break as an adult. And for today, that is going to wrap things up. I want to say thank you one more time to Dr. Vanita Rahman and the incredible dietitian Karen Smith for being here and helping to raise our health IQs. And for everyone at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, as always, keep it plant-based.